I just had the title, Jesus Said What? So you got to say it right, right? You don't say Jesus Said What, because that just sounds boring. So Jesus Said What? Let's all say that. Jesus Said What? There you go. How many of you have been ever shocked by some of the things Jesus said? So Jesus said a lot of things, and there's no way that we're going to cover everything that Jesus said as we start this series out, but we are going to cover some of the things uh, in order to uh, follow after Jesus, because that's what we are as a believer, as a Christian. How many of you know we follow Jesus? It's one thing just to say you're a Christian, because that can be very vague. Uh, But if you're following after Jesus, that means you're doing what Jesus said. You're following in his footsteps. How many of you remember uh, this game we played as kids? What was that called? Yeah, you see, you can tell by it. They made a bronze statue of kids playing follow the leader. Did anybody play that growing up? I mean, it's a very difficult, the rules are very difficult. So I looked them up on Wikipedia, and I'm going to give you guys the rules, okay? Players choose a leader, and the remaining players follow uh, in a line behind that leader. The leader moves around, and all the players have to mimic the leader's actions. So if he raises a hand, guess what? you got to raise your hand. And any player who fails to follow or mimic the leader, they're out of the game. When only one follower remains, that player then becomes the leader, and the game begins again. Now that seems so easy, doesn't it? I'm like, I think I could do that. Anybody feel like you could do that? I got that. It, that's a simple thing. But, but let, me, let me remind you this. I want to give you kind of a scenario that I'm going to be talking about as we go through this message. If you're going to a re- or say to your friend, hey, listen, we're going to go to this restaurant, and you say, I have no idea how to get there, then uh, what is, what, without think if you didn't have GPS, let me just put it that way. Uh, I don't have any idea there. What do you normally do? Yeah, let me follow you, okay? You lead the way, and I will follow you. And and we've all probably done that at one time or another, following after somebody, and, you know, they're going down the road, they take a right, and what do you do? You take a right, right? You go a little bit further down the road, and maybe they take another right. Guess what we do? We take another right. A little bit further down the road, all of a sudden they take a left. You know, I forgot to have my little right signal. They take a left. How many of you know lefts are a little bit more tricky because you've got to cross traffic usually? And maybe you're kind of the person that says, you know what, I don't mind following you as long as you go right, but you know what, I'm not really a fan of taking lefts. So I'm not going to take a left, you know. Uh, you go ahead and take that left. I'm going to go right again. And what is going to happen is you're going to get lost. All right, can you imagine finding that friend of yours and, say, and begin to blame them? Hey, listen, you know what? You were leading me to the restaurant and, and I got lost. Well, whose fault is it? It's your fault for taking, and you know, I don't want to take the left. I'm against lefts. I have a strong, hard stance against lefts. But yet they blame you. And you're the one that didn't follow. All right, you're like, I'd rather take three rights than one left. Right, but by the time you take three rights, guess what? They're already long gone, right? So I know that sounds foolish, but that happens all the time. Let me tell you, as a pastor, sometimes, I mean, we want to help people. We want to guide, sometimes to give advice. And, uh, and, and people, even after hearing all of that, might ignore it, and then we get blamed for it. All right? I can't tell you how many times over the years we've been pastoring a long time, 
people have come to Pastor Colleen and I, maybe an idea for business, maybe a relationship advice, whatever it is. And, and let me just say, I, this is not a scientific study, but nine out of ten times, people really don't want advice. They just want you to agree with what they already decided they're going to do. How many of you know I, what I'm saying is true? They just want you to kind of make, okay, don't you think it's a good thing? Pray with me about this because I'm going to do it anyway. All right? And, and, and you think that's bad. How many of you know we do the same thing with God? All right? Oh, all the time. I mean, God has got a book of instructions that he has given us. What do we call it? The Bible, right? And uh, most of the things in God's word are pretty straightforward. There's a lot of black and white that are very easy to understand. And guess what? If you happen to struggle understanding of it, that's why God has created his church and a body and a community where we encourage one another in God's word, right? To do the things uh, that God has called us. So it's all there very uh, very well. but, But a lot of times people hear that, they know it, but yet they choose to still go their own way. And guess who gets the blame then? God. Why did you do this to me? Why did you let this end up like that? Why didn't you warn me? Well, he did, right? And probably other people warned you. Listen, I believe this. If you follow God's instructions, God will give you his peace, his joy, his blessing, even when life gets difficult. Because life gets difficult for everybody. Everybody. But we have to follow after him. We've got to hear, we've got to read it, and we can't just say, sorry, God, I'm not going to obey. I don't make left turns, God. All right? I know what your word says. And what happens is in that area of your life, you go completely the other direction. And like I said, things go wrong and we blame God for it. Again, I know that sounds crazy to say it that way, but that happens more times than you can count. That happens a lot. So our goal, I mean, as, as Freedom Church, our goal is, is to be a biblical Christian, not just social Christians. How many of you know there's a difference there? A biblical Christian actually follows God's word. It doesn't matter if it doesn't register high on the public opinion poll. We're not taking surveys there to say. We're not allowing culture to determine what we believe. Because how many of you know our culture has a lot of stuff to say? And a lot of times it leads us in very wrong directions. And let me just say, those of you that have lived long enough, how many of you see, we see culture changes all the time. What may be in today, tomorrow is going to be out and something else is going to be in. And so people that live their life based on what culture says are destined to, and and they still want to say they're a Christian, they're just a social Christian. Maybe they follow God in some areas. Maybe, oh, I, I believe in God. But to be a biblical Christian, I've got to actually follow God's words. Amen? As long as we only take right turns, we're only going to stay social. Amen? So let me just say, in our world, everybody's got opinions. Isn't that right? Anybody have an opinion here on life? All right? And, and listen, even if you're not a follower of Christ, how many of you know some of your opinions may still be right? Right? I think most people believe that lying is wrong. Right? You don't have to be a Christian. Stealing is wrong. You don't have to be a Christian to believe that. But I want to tell you, whatever your opinion or preference is, it's not enough to have a foundation in Christ. Right? We have to actually have a relationship with him. What that means is that the Bible has got to be our guidebook for living. That's our standard right there. You can't call yourself a biblical Christian unless you actually follow 
God's Word. I know, I'm getting really basic today, aren't I? How many of you know we need that? We've got to base our faith and behavior, like I said, not what's unpopular, not what everybody's telling me, not what the latest pop artist is singing or the latest movie is talking about. We've got to follow the commands of Jesus. Amen? So that is why... We're doing this series on Jesus said what? He was the master teacher. Nobody has ever taught like him. He used stories that were very familiar with the people that were listening uh, from culture, but also from society, even nature. He used a lot of agricultural stories and analogies because that's what the people connected with, right? So in the passage we're going to look at today... Jesus was talking to a very large crowd gathered on a hillside. They were there listening, maybe hoping to see miracles. It's Jesus' most famous sermon. What do we call it? The Sermon on the the Mount. You guys know that. I don't think he titled his sermon that. All right, today I'm going to give you the Sermon on the Mount. It's just where he was. So uh, uh, let, let me start it out. He says this. He goes, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are never picked from bramble bushes. So uh, if you were here a little over a year ago, last summer, I did a series on the fruits of the Spirit. How many of you guys were here for that? Right? If you missed it, I'm going to reintroduce you to some things because I am not good at identifying plants and trees all the time. Anybody else with me? It's like, what kind of tree is that? One with leaves. All right? In the wintertime, one without leaves. I don't know. I have no idea. I am not the one that identifies that. Randy is our our in-house botanist. He understands plants and trees. Many times I have sent him pictures of some plant. I'm like, Randy, what is this? Right, something growing, and uh, and he tells me what it is. Like, especially when we go up on our property off of the highway there, it's like, Randy, is this poison oak? And he's like, Yes. Don't step in it. Don't touch in it. Sometimes I'll be like, is this poison oak? No, you're okay there. So I don't know. I mean, I, that's not my strong point. Uh, people have asked him, how do you care for this plant? I mean, I put water in it, right? So, uh, so let me tell you my area that I do excel in, though. So I'm gonna, you guys are here for a lesson. I can identify fruit trees. All right, I'm good at it, right? I don't, have to, I don't care what the trunk looks like or the leaves look like. All I got to do is look at the fruit, right? I know Apple Hill is in full session right now, right? The traffic is going, and you walk out there and you see this on a tree. How many of you know, I know instinctively that's an apple tree. Nobody's got to tell me that that's an apple tree. And and you know what? If, If I went up there and saw this on it right then, I'd probably think somebody glued an orange on an apple tree, right? Because there's no orange trees growing up there. But if you see one actually growing, how many of you know what kind of tree is that? That's an orange tree, right? That's amazing. You guys, now this one right here, because we didn't have any lemons, so I grabbed this. This is a lime. And if I saw that on a tree, I'd say either that's a lime or it's a lemon that's not ripe yet. Because that's kind of what they look like. But man, I'm, and my favorite fruit right here, you see that growing on a tree? You guys, yeah, we're in the wrong place, right? That's the banana, right? I mean, this is like, thanks, Mr. Einstein, right? Uh, I don't think, you know, Jesus' listeners were listening to this. They were agricultural people. Do you think they said, well, thank you, Captain Obvious? All right? 
I think we got it. But here's the thing. Jesus wasn't talking about trees. He was introducing them to something that was going to go a little bit deeper than that. And so he shared that. And then he goes on to say, a good person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. I mean, see, he's getting deeper. Let me tell you, we're going to get even deeper before we get out of this message. But just like a tree, uh, the product of my life reveals what's going on in my heart. Right? You, you can fake it for a while. How many of you know you can go in? Remember when, uh, if your kids were little and you told them, behave. So you would hope to get 10 minutes of behavior out of them before you got out of the store, right? And, uh, but if you got it, guess what? They're just faking it because once they get in the car, all bets are off. Right? They're back to whoever they are. That's true with us. You hang around somebody long enough, you're going to find out what's going on in their heart because it's going to come out of their life. It's going to be demonstrated that. And uh, many of you maybe heard the next line, and you might have heard it out of a different version that says, from the abundance of the heart, the what? See, you guys have heard that. I like how it has it out of this version. What you say flows from what's inside of your heart. Just like a gutter, right? And it can be a good gutter, right? But it can also be a very bad gutter that's coming out. Whatever we say. So here's the principle uh, filling in your notes. I can tell what's in somebody's heart by the things that come out of our mouth. I mean, that's just a reality. If you're a follower of Jesus, if your heart is good, it's going to be reflected in the words and the way you speak to other people. Right? It's just going to come out. I mean, Jesus says, listen, you can't disconnect the two. Words are the fruit of my heart. They demonstrate that. And I know, because I've probably done it before. How many of you know we like to make excuses for our words sometimes? Oh, you know what? I I know I said it, but I didn't really mean it. No, don't raise your hand if you said that. So uh, here's the thing. If you say something mean or hurtful or wrong, like I said, we give excuses as to why it happened. And uh, like, like, oh, you know what? I know I said it, but I'm just stressed out right now. Right? I'm just stressed. That's the only reason that I said that. Or you know what? We say something, it's like, oh, they deserved it. It's quiet in here, right? <laughs> Nobody has ever said something to someone because they deserved it. Because how many of you are thankful you don't get what you deserve? Amen. Right? Or how about this one? Well, you know what? I'm just a level-headed guy, and I just call it like I see it. Right? If it's there, I'm just going to say it. And uh, I, I'm just, I, I speak truth. That's all I do. I don't know why they're getting upset. Uh, basically, that's saying, you know what? At times, I'm just a real jerk. I'm just speaking truth. I don't understand. Listen, and if I don't say it, who will? Somebody's got to say it. I mean, we, we justify that and we offer those. Sometimes uh, uh, we may say something that offends other people and we come, we've come off with this one. Well, you know what? Today, everybody's just so easily offended. You know what? That's their fault. I love this classic fake apology here. Maybe you've heard that. I'm so sorry you misunderstood. <laughs> right? How many of you know that's the way of saying, I'm so sorry you're an idiot? Right? I mean, all of those things. Those are weak excuses. Wouldn't you agree? Weak excuses. So again, 
What's in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. Eventually, it is going to come out of your mouth. If every word, think about this, if every word that you said this past week, and every, let me just put it this one because social media is big, every post you made on Facebook or Instagram or any of those, if all of those were read back, what kind of a heart would that demonstrate? I know, all of those words, it's like, ooh, you know what? In church, I say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, you know. Uh, but what did you say on Friday afternoon? Amen. Right? What did you say when somebody told you something you didn't want to hear? Right? Those are the things that we got to start looking at what's going on in our heart. And I know sometimes Christians argue, like, on what actually constitute a cuss word. Right? Oh, well, that's not a cuss word here, but that is there, you know. And we argue that really, uh, if we're arguing that way, we really miss the point because following Christ is not about how much can I get away with. It's about does what I'm doing and what I'm saying move me closer and move other people closer to Jesus. Amen. Does that make sense? Because I want to say this, if you are looking for ways to how to keep one foot in the world and one foot in God's kingdom, I want to tell you, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the joys of what it really means to follow after him, right? We got to get firmly planted in God's kingdom and say, God, I am following after you 100%. Like uproot that foot, right? It's time to get it out of there. So uh, your words are, ju- uh, are your fruit. It's the natural outgrowth of your heart. So if we find that we engage in gossip a lot, how many of you know that's revealing a heart condition? That's revealing something. I know anybody go, oh, don't say all too loud because then we'll think it's you, right? So uh, uh, it reveals something. It is the natural reaction of an evil heart. Profanity and words of anger reveal a heart condition. There's something, I, ooh, I know, I heard that one, right? Uh, they are, uh, there's something going on in the heart. If you speak words of prejudice, How many of you know that reveals an evil, prejudiced heart that actually devalues other people whom Christ died for, that are created in the image of God? It's like, listen, if I can be that way, there's something wrong with my heart. If I have that kind of attitude, if you're a person that likes to threaten people, make excuses, how many of you know that's manipulative heart right there? Oh, if you don't do this, I'll do that. And it's like, okay, well, you've got a manipulative heart. I see that. Thank you. Uh, harsh words come out of a hard heart, don't they? So while all of that stuff is true, can I tell you the flip side of it? If you hear somebody that often encourages you and lifts you up, that's coming out of a good heart, right? Those words are coming out of a good heart. That's good fruit. If somebody offers help and support, there's a helpful heart there. If words of worship come out, that is a worshipful heart right there. Like, I mean, you're just walking around the day and you're like, you know, uh, words of praise burst out. And uh, I, I'm going to call her out, but, but Stephanie, when she was in uh, uh, El Salvador with us, she's got a worshipful heart. Because like random time, she's worshiping God. And it's like, where's that coming from? It's coming from a worshipful heart. That's a good thing, amen? Uh, faith and trust comes from a faithful heart. But if you have somebody that offers sympathy and compassionate, that comes from a gentle tender heart. So those are all true. You cannot disconnect your words from your heart. Jesus didn't. Jesus is actually connecting all of that. And so if we want to change the things that are coming out of our mouth, does that mean, ooh, man, I better put a, you know, didn't we always say zip your lip? Can I ask you, does that ever work? No, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say, okay, I'm going to say something. 
right? How many of you know you can only zip it too so long for where that zipper breaks? So if you really want to change the things that are coming out of your heart or your mouth, you've got to start with your heart, right? Because it's a heart issue. It's a matter of getting closer to Christ and allowing God. In the book of Ezekiel, he says, I'm going to take out your stony heart. And I'm going to give you a heart of flesh, right? So I can't change my own heart. It's not about behavior modification. Oh man, I better not say that. I better not do that. No, it's about having a real relationship with Christ and allowing Him to change those ugly areas that every one of us have in our heart. Every one of us. So God is constantly renewing that. If you want your words and your actions to change, get your heart closer to Jesus. Amen? Amen. So I could end right there. How many of you know that's a powerful truth right there? But listen, Jesus doesn't leave us right there. He's going a little bit deeper and, and, and getting a little, he's prying a little bit too much. I mean, you know, Jesus was good at prying into your life, all right? And so I'm just going to use his words and we're going to move on because he raises the bar. The very next verse, he says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? Ow, when you don't do what I say. I've been meditating on that one all week, Right? Why do people claim to follow Jesus but ignore his commands? That's really what he's saying right there. Many people claim a heart decision for Christ, and yet their words and their actions say something different. Right? Do, you th- do you believe somebody if they say, I love you, and then they punch you in the face right after that? No, I'm so sorry, but I do love you, and then they punch you again. All right? Oh, but I do love you, and then they punch you again. How many of you know eventually you're going to be like, listen, I don't believe you. You say you love me, but you keep punching me in the face, right? How many of you know our words and our actions actually have to line up? And that's what Jesus is saying. Why are you saying, Lord, and you're not even doing what I'm saying? There's a question there. He made that connection by saying that. Listen, if you claim to follow Christ, but we're not obeying, the, the question we got to am I really following Christ? Am I really following him? So I want to give you several reasons why people who claim to know and follow Jesus don't obey his commandments. And there's several different reasons. I'm probably not going to cover everything. I have no idea. But the first one is many people just don't know his commands. Right? If you don't know, how many of you know you don't know? Right? Isn't that deep theologically there? You don't know what you don't know. It's not until you get into God's word that he begins to reveal those things. I can't tell you how many times I've had an action. I thought my action was fine until I got in God's word or maybe heard somebody preaching. And it was like, oh, that's wrong. Right? And once you, once you hear it, how many of you know you've got to do something about it? Right? I know. Listen, that's one excuse. Some people are just too lazy to learn. They don't want to pick up their Bible. We are not in a country that doesn't have access to God's Word. There's a lot of countries, like if they get a page of the Bible, they're happy about that. But we have so much access to God's Word. How many of you guys have the Bible on your phone? Raise your phone up if you got it. Look at all the hands. You know how many, how many versions you have on your phone? We have so much access to say, so to say, God, well, I just didn't know, that's the same way of passing a speed limit sign and the cop pulls you over and you're like, I didn't see it. How many of you think you're still getting a ticket? <laughs> right? You're still getting a ticket. It doesn't matter. So we can't use ignorance forever. We, you know, it's true for a time, if you just got saved and you're just giving your life to the Lord, that's a beginning, but eventually we've got, we've got, we're going to be accountable, amen? Number two, uh, they know his commands, they just don't want to obey. 
Right? They're saying things like, well, you know what, I know it's wrong, uh, but I'm going to do it anyway. Or, or I know I shouldn't be in this relationship, but I just love him. Right? Or I love her. I've heard that one so many times. All right? so, uh, or I know that it's wrong, and I, I just don't think this applies to me. I mean, come on, this is 2023. Come on, you're talking about some really dated stuff right there. Like, how old is the Bible anyway? Uh, or I'll obey Jesus' other commands, but not this one. All right? I'll make the right turns, but don't ask me to go left. Uh, number three, they don't want to change. There's a lot of people, they just don't want to. Because how many of you realize change actually takes effort and sometimes difficult decisions? It's true. A lot of people, they want to add Jesus into their life without submitting to him. Does that make sense? Like, I want Jesus as my additive, but I don't want to really change. Like, Jesus, come along with me. I'm going to keep doing the thing that I want to do. Uh, but Jesus says, no, you've got to follow me. Jesus has never in the Scripture offered as a life improvement add-on. Just add Jesus to your life and everything will be better. No, Jesus demands total commitment. Amen? Number four, they are afraid of what Jesus might command. He may require, he may require you to give some things up. He may ask, you know, and a lot of times we're like, oh, no, if I, if I go to church, I might have to change something, right? See, this is the person, and, and I've asked this question to people, have you prayed about it? They're making life decisions that's going to affect the rest of their life, and we're like, have you prayed about it? Almost all the time it's like, no, because I don't want his answer. I'm not even kidding. You guys know what I'm talking about. I know what he's going to say. So uh, uh, that's number four. Number five, they don't want to pay the price for obedience. Ouch. They don't want to change the habit. They don't want to reevaluate friendships. Let me tell you, when I was in high school, I had my friends. I had my people I hung around with. And, and I kind of played it for a while, for a couple of years, uh, going back and forth. But when God finally got a hold of me, listen, there were some life changes I had to make. I was working at a movie theater. I, you know, at 18 years old, I'm the assistant manager of this, this movie theater, so I thought I was hot stuff, you know. Hey, listen, I get to tell all these older people what to do, you know. I'm the, and I was making pretty good money at that time. I had my truck, I had a motorcycle, had my own apartment. I'm like, man, I am living the life. But when God finally got a hold of me, I knew that that work environment that I was in was not conducive to me following Christ. I had to quit. Nobody told me to quit other than God. I went in and handed my resignation. The manager thought I was crazy. He's like, listen, you got a big career in this. You can be manager and district manager and all of this. And it's like, uh, but you know what? I'm drifting from Christ. I don't know if I probably didn't tell him that because I was too chicken at that time. But the reality is I had to do it. And I got a stinking job at a hospital working three to midnight uh, putting uh, kits together in central supply. You know, the, the urine things and all of that. I was like, ah. But then three months later, I was in Bible college. I had to make that change. That was the price of obedience. I didn't cut off my old friends but because I no longer participated in those activities, how many of you know, I wasn't around those old friends anymore, 
right? I started hanging around. I'm at the church, you know, and I'm, I'm getting relationships there. And, and it was, it was such a life change for me. So many people claim they're like, you know what? I can follow Jesus. Uh, but only in these areas of my life, we designate, but other areas were like, Jesus, not this area. Hands off here, right? So, uh, that was number five. Number six, they have a story. Oh my goodness. Everybody's got a story. Am I right? I mean, let me just say, everybody in this room, anybody watching online, all of us have stories, right? If you're alive, you got a story. But some people, you know, maybe they've been hurt. Maybe they got hurt from a church or a leader in the church. Might have been even a pastor. Something in their life went terribly, terribly wrong. And guess what? They blame God now. That's their story now. And their story, listen to this. Their story becomes the reason for their disobedience. Think about that for a minute. Their story is now their reason for disobedience. They have a story as, uh, as you know what, I don't give to the church because maybe they saw some embezzlement. Maybe they saw people using money in an inappropriate way. And it's like, so now that's their story. I don't give to the church. I don't give back to God. Or maybe they have a story that justifies why they're prejudiced. Oh, yeah, this and this and that happened. And so, you know, that, that's why I have this feeling. And that's, that's my reason. Maybe they have a story on why they don't reach out to others. Maybe they have a story, and a lot of people do. I, I had the percentages in my head. I've been reading this book, but it talks about how many people no longer come to church. They still believe in God. They still feel like they've got a relationship with him, but they won't go. And that is their story. And their story, like I said, they have decided their story excuses their behavior. I can do it because I got a story. They've had story for years. Here's the thing that I have found out about stories. They have a start date. They just don't have an expiration date. Isn't that true? When did that happen to you? 40 years ago. Don't you think it's time to let it go? Don't you think it's time to finally let it go? I mean, you got rid of your milk that expired, right? If your story goes past your expiration on your milk, how many of you know it's time to deal with it? Amen? They decided that is their excuse. So people don't obey his commands. Number seven, uh, they surround themselves with other people who don't obey. That kind of goes back to what I had to, I had to change the people that I hung around with. Because let's be honest, if everybody you hang around with is not serving God and you're trying to serve God, I'm just going to tell you, that's difficult. I was in the military where I was the only one in my platoon that followed God, like right turns and left turns. There were some that just did the right turns, but they didn't do the other ones. They felt like they were Christians, but they weren't really following him. And so I needed people in my life. So that's one of the reasons we've kicked off our small groups. We're, we want to see all of our small groups filled up. And I think this week we have uh, uh, Robert back there in the back. His wife's in the nursery meeting at Molly in El Dorado Hills. So if you're not a part of a small group, I want to encourage you to get involved in one. It's so important that we get people in our life that will encourage us and push us. And that, guess what? Not just they do that to us, but we do that to them. We are connected, building each other up, and that helps us. We are not called to make it to heaven alone. We are called to go together. That's why Jesus is not coming back for the individuals. He's coming back for the body of Christ. That's all of us together. And I know we're Americans. We think individualistically, uh, but God thinks of us as a group. Amen? 
So uh, he loves us individually, but he allows us to grow together as a group. Amen. Number eight, uh, they don't want to follow Jesus. They're choosing their sin. This happens so often. They don't. They want to do wrong. I remember there was this lady that uh, uh, this was at one of our other churches, and she was in a relationship with a married man, and uh, and and talking. She goes, "Oh, I just want to be happy." I just, and she's still coming to church. I just want to be happy. And I remember my wife like, "Can I show you a scripture?" She's like, "No, I don't want to see the scripture." I'm not kidding. I, she did not want. She didn't want her to crack the Bible open. She just wanted to be happy. So uh, you know what? I want to kind of have Jesus there, but this is my sin, and I'm hanging on to it. So uh, that's number eight, which is very similar to number nine. They're just not really followers of Jesus. Do you realize over seventy percent of Americans surveyed claim to be a Christian? How many of you think if that were true, would our country look a little bit different than it does right now? If that were true, so there's a lot of people that, that, that say that they're a Christian. Oh, I believe in God. Uh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I don't know why they claim it. Maybe to make mom and dad happy. Uh, maybe to keep their spouse happy or something or fit in with something. I have no idea. I just know that not everybody that claims that is that. Amen? So Jesus, Jesus' question that we're talking about here, you can't really avoid it. I mean, if you just want to take it away, but you guess what? You guys have already seen it. Now you can't say, oh, I have no excuse. When he says this, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? So since I had to chew on that, I'm letting you guys chew on that. So here's, here's the principle, another principle we're learning. Your life and your words reveal your heart. So it's not just my words, but it's how I choose to live my life. All of that reveals what's going on inside of my heart. Like I said, remember the apples only come from apple trees. Sinful words and actions come from a sinful heart. Amen? And then Jesus pivoted the story a little bit more. He wanted to illustrate what this was looking like. So he's talking about the fruit. He's talking about following after him. Now he's going to tell a story. Uh, uh, two examples here. He says in verse 47... I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, so we're all listening, amen, and then follows it, actually puts it into practice. That's huge right there. He says it is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on a solid rock, and when the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. Amen? We need a foundation. I mean, you don't have to be a contractor to understand we have to have a good foundation. You want your house to have a good foundation. We want this building. But your life has to have a good foundation. And the reality is when I hear and obey, that is creating that foundation. Yeah, you're not like actually having to pour concrete, but I believe that there's spiritual concrete going down. I'm listening, I'm obeying, I'm doing it, and maybe the little minuscule things, you don't see what's happening, but your foundation is getting more solid and harder every time you walk in obedience to the things Jesus said. Amen? Have you ever watched somebody go through an incredibly difficult situation and they made it through to the other side? And maybe you thought to yourself, how did they do that? How did they make it? I, that would have crushed me. How is their faith so strong? How did they last through that devastation? And the reason why is because they've got a solid foundation. They have a solid foundation. That's how. Not just by hearing the words, but by actually 
doing it. Not just taking the right turns, but also when Jesus says take a left turn, guess what? They did that. Well, but I don't want to. Let's just be honest. Sometimes God calls us to do things that just aren't real, un- real comfortable. Like, I got to forgive that person, Lord? You know what? That's a left turn in my book. I'm sorry. Because you don't understand what they did to me. No, no, we got to do the left turns too. We got to do the difficult things too. And, and it's not necessarily for them, but it's for your own heart. It's for your own heart. So uh, uh, the result of a faith life that stands even in the face of difficulty. So I want to I tell you a little story about somebody that's in my family. I don't know if I've told that, but I want to tell a story about my aunt, my dad's sister, and my, I'm sure my mom and sister are watching right now. Uh, but she, her name was Priscilla. Uh, we called her Aunt Prissy because I guess as kids we couldn't say Priscilla, but uh, she's with the Lord today. But I want to tell you a little bit of her story. And uh, this is her right here. This is her oldest daughter. Uh, when Joshua graduated, OR, graduated ORU, uh, this was us. This was a statue of Jesus and the disciples learning. So we, uh, I just had to throw that in there. But this is her over here. So she came to the graduation. We're sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? And uh, but here is uh, this is a picture of her. This was her family back in 1983. Uh, this is her right here. This is my and these were her two biological kids. Uh, these others were from her second husband. All the other kids. But this is my cousin Jackie or Jackie right here, and this is Sean. Uh, anyway, so just kind of giving you the thing. She remarried the love of her life, Doug Walker. They were married for years and, uh, they had, she had the two girls, my two cousins. And, uh, as they grew older and got older, uh, Jackie, who is right here, uh, had a son. His name was Robert. And, uh, you know, I don't know how old he was exactly. I never met him. We were living in other parts of the country, but he was probably like five or six years old and uh, went into a pool, and he drowned in a swimming accident. How many of you know that's tragic? Right? Losing. It was early 2000s when that, and that was hard to deal with, but, but my aunt still loved God, still continued to serve God. Uh, my cousin Jackie, I know she continued to be faithful, uh, went on mission trip. I don't know where she went on a mission trip with, to, but uh, they continued to serve God, even after losing a child was so tragic like that. So that's important. But then a couple of years later, uh, my cousin Jackie, at the age of 31, was going in for surgery on a minor surgery. They said, oh, she'll be out, no problem. Something happened. Something got cut. She bled out and died on the operating table in August of 2005. So now my aunt is having to deal with the loss of not just her daughter but now and her grandson. And, uh, but she still stayed faithful to God, still loved God. Uh, five years lady, later, in March of 2010, her husband uh, died of cancer, lost that battle. So now, within just a few years, she's lost her husband, her daughter, and her grandson, and she still kept the faith. Six years later, my uh, other cousin, Jackie, or Sean, sorry, uh, 40-something years old, had a massive heart attack and died in February of 2016. And... Uh, Within about a 12-year stretch of time, I know, I'm like, you're like, thanks, Pastor Scott, for such a wonderful story here. Uh, (laughs) But the point of it is she lost her husband, both of her kids, her only grandchild, but she never gave up on her faith. 
And, and I don't remember the exact words because she was living with my mom and dad for the last few years. She's with the Lord now. Uh, but she, uh, I remember talking like, how can you, how can you still have that faith? She still had a joy about her. She still carried this joy. And it's like, I mean, I'm the pastor here and I'm like shocked. Like, like, how is it that you still have this joy? And she says, you know what? God is so faithful. I don't remember the exact way that she phrased it, but I just remember God is still faithful. And, and I remember her saying something to the effect, you know what? I will see them again. I will see them again. And uh, in September of 2019, she was re- reunited. Actually, at the foot of Jesus for real and, and in the presence of the ones that she loved. And I think, wow. I want to be like my aunt. I want to be like my aunt. She had a solid foundation. She didn't just listen to the words of Jesus. When Jesus said, take a left turn, guess what? She did it, right? She didn't allow bitterness and all of that stuff to take hold of her heart. And I think, what a powerful perspective in the face of difficult situations. Amen? Don't you want that? Overwhelming loss. Listen, I don't know what challenges are going on in your life. Everybody in here is going through something. People that are listening online, you're going through something. I understand that. But listen, if I, if for me, if I'm ever tempted to feel sorry for myself, I always think about my aunt. And I think, wow, you know what? I want, I want that kind of faith. Amen? Amen? So in this world, let me just say, you are going to face storms. All of us already have. This is not newsflash right here. But I want to tell you, you can build a solid foundation. You can have a solid foundation, but I will say this. Don't wait until the storm comes upon you. How many of you know that's the worst time? number of years ago, Pastor, and I thought he was going to say summer and winter. And uh, Nick probably already knows. Do you know what it is? Yeah, yeah, he said we have winter and we have getting ready for winter. So it, he says, yeah, come, come spring when everything begins to melt off in summer. We fix everything that the storms broke, and then we prepare, cut the wood, get everything ready for the next fall, for the next uh, storm that comes in. And I thought that I've carried that, that thought for a long time because as believers, we have two seasons. We have times where you and I face storms, but then the rest of the time, we got to be preparing for storms. How do you do that? You stay in God's Word. You stay connected to His church. You stay connected with other believers. You, uh, you just, you constantly follow the things that Christ told us to do. And as you're doing that, your foundation is getting solid and more solid. So guess what? When the storm hits, you're strong. Right? You're gonna make it through to the other side. Like I said, waiting until that, waiting till there, you know, if you're in Tahoe and it's like, man, there's five inches of snow on the ground. You think I should go cut some wood for the fire? <laughs> Too late, buddy. <laughs> right? Or it's gonna be awfully difficult. I just wanna say that. So, uh, we wanna be solid before the storm. So Jesus goes on to say, gives the example. Oh, there's Tahoe right there. Uh, he goes on to say, anyone who hears, and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. And when the floods sweep out against it, it will, not even it might, but it will collapse. It will collapse into a heap of ruins. So Jesus is saying, this is what you're like when you don't put my words into action. When you hear it, but you're like, nah, you know what, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll do it once I start seeing the wind blow. Right. Once I, you know, when hurricanes come in and the wind starts blowing, how many of you know that's too late to board up your windows? 
Have you ever tried to carry a piece of uh, plywood in a 30-mile-an-hour wind? I'm going to board up my window. No, you got to be ready before, amen? You can't just have the sunny day faith when everything is good and everything's wonderful in my life. Those are amazing times. you got to have faith that makes it during the rainy days, right? When the storms are coming, and let me just say, as long as we're on this side of heaven, we're going to face storms until we go be with him. Right? We're going to have the sunny days that are great and, and relish that. But I want to tell you, you can still have joy, peace, all of the things that God promised, even when everything in your life is swirling around like a hurricane. Amen. And it rains on all of us, right? I want to be a lifelong follower of Christ, but that's going to require of my life commitment, action, and sometimes hard decisions. Amen. Sometimes hard decision. His commands that he gives us, they're not just a random bunch of rules that are meant to take away any joy or fun in your life. I know, oh, if I become a Christian, I can't do this and I can't do that. No, it's you don't have to. You get something better. His instructions are from a loving Savior that helps build godly character and ultimately bring you closer to him. Amen? Obeying his commands... This is a truth. Over a long period of time will give you the relationship with him and the character it takes to withstand life's most difficult storms. So here's the last feeling. Followers of Jesus obey his command. We obey it. And so I want to pray for you, but my question is, and I'm not going to ask you guys to raise your hand, but are you a follower of Jesus? Or would you say, you know what? I follow him on every right turn, but there's some left turns I've been struggling with. There's some left turns that I'm not real sure about. I want to, but you're not quite there yet. I want to tell you that Jesus says it's time, it's, it's, there's no better time than right now to say, okay, God, I want to begin to make all the turns you tell me. I want to begin to go right. I want to go left. If you say go straight, if you say back up, whatever it is, if you want my car jumping up and down, then I'm going to do that, Lord. I'm going to figure out how to do it. I want to follow you with every aspect of my life. I want to tell you, you will never regret it if you'll just submit that to him. Amen? So can I have everybody just with your head bowed and your eyes closed? And afterwards, I'm going to have the prayer team, you guys, come up. But if you're just saying, you know what, Pastor? I've been struggling with some of those turns. If you can just raise your hand and then you can put it back down. There's areas of my life. Amen. I see some hands. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are good. And Father, you have called us to follow you. And and, and all of us have struggled from time to time. Lord, all of us have turned right at times you've told us to turn left. But Lord, today we want to resubmit. We want to recommit our lives to you. And say, God, whichever way you go, that's the way I'm going to go. If I've got to forgive somebody, if I've got to make some life changes, if I have to uh, uh, have different friends in my life, Lord, I know that you're going to replace them with better ones, oh God. Lord, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you, Lord. Can I have our prayer team, you guys, come up? Listen, if you're making a fresh commitment to him, I want to tell you that, that God, God keeps that record. If you've made some bad turns in life, then welcome to the human race, because we all have. But I want to tell you, God always gives us a fresh start. We just got to get back on that path. Think about the prodigal son. He took off and went the other direction. But the Bible says that when he came to his senses, he turned around and he went back to his father. 
We always have that moment where we can come to our senses and turn around and say, Father, I'm following after you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I don't know if you have a song. As Timothy is, uh, Pastor Timothy's leading, if you need prayer for any reason, we have several people up here that will pray. Maybe you just need a touch in your body. Maybe you need a financial breakthrough, whatever it is. Maybe you just need somebody to to come along and to give you a hug and pray for you. Uh, We're going to take a few minutes as he's closing in this song and uh, feel free to come up. Amen.